Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. It's that time of year again when most of us are headed back into a new opera season or a new school year, so it's time for the Diction Police to be up and running again, too. This week, British baritone Simon Neal is with us to discuss English diction. Our text for this week is Loveliest of Trees, and we concentrate on the different phonetic possibilities the letter O has in the English language, final Ys, and a little bit about legato singing and consonant. As usual, I spent my summer traveling around Germany and Austria working with vocal students, and as always, it was refreshing and fun, and it gave me lots to talk about with all of you. The biggest issue that seemed to come up this summer was the concept of legato, so I thought we'd start off this season by talking about what legato is and what it isn't. Legato is an Italian word used in musical terminology to mean connected, bound, or tied. When we talk about legato in singing, we're talking about the connection between different tones, and what we're looking for is a smooth transition from one tone to the next, as well as from one vowel to the next. This all starts from the breath. If the breath doesn't stay constant, every note will be separated from the next one, and we get that choppy effect. Think about a cellist or a violinist. They have to keep the bow moving on the string because if they don't, there's actually nothing that makes the sound, right? And they have to be super careful when changing the bow's direction to be sure that the motion doesn't stop. Breath works exactly the same as the bow on a stringed instrument. The tendency is to allow the air to stop a moment just before changing pitch, but that's exactly what we want to avoid. A legato sound comes from not letting the sound stop between pitches. This is one reason that many teachers have students warm up with lip trills and tongue rolls. If your lips stop trilling even for a split second, it means that the airflow was somehow either interrupted or unsteady. Try it on your song or aria and see if you're keeping that air constant. Another issue of legato is consonants. I spend a lot of time telling people not to apologize for the consonants. There seems to be a fear that either the consonant will be ugly and too exposed, or that it'll disturb the vocal line. But if we pull away from the consonants, we get what I call the Charlie Brown parents effect with a lot of wah 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 wah. Basically, to counterbalance this wah 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 sound, we just need to make sure to sing every vowel straight through to the end and not let the consonant fall out of that alignment. Now that sounds simple when I say it, but it's unfortunately all too easy to fall off the support if we don't really concentrate on that vowel till the bitter end. And don't apologize for the consonant as though it's something to ignore. Sing them to the back wall. People there paid for their tickets and they want to understand too. Vowels are the means through which our voices carry, but consonants are what really make the words. Otherwise, the word make could sound like made, may, male, or mate. I'll talk more about this topic next week, but in the meantime, you can find a link for the text for today at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter at Diction Police. If you're already a fan of the Facebook page, you see me posting about our first premiere of the season here at the Zemperoper, hence as We Come to the River. If you haven't checked it out already, look for the photo that I posted of the score. It makes Lulu seem like Mozart. And then you'll understand what we mean when we talk about the music later in the interview. 
Anyway, the lead role of the general is played by British baritone Simon Neal, our guest for This Week and Next, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to talk about singing and diction with him over the past few months. We also talked a little bit about legato singing, singing the vowels, and how to deal with consonants. You had an analogy with a bagpipe. Yeah. No, what I was saying to you was that any language, but English, of course, as well, is that I like to think of the drone, of the, you know, you have this... And this, this drone for me is, is, is what I would call my vowels. Mm-hmm. And it's my flow of vowels through a phrase. Yeah. So it, if you like, I use a bagpipe drone. I've also talked with students and that about it being like a, a rail track or something like that. That constant air and sound moving together throughout. Wow. So it's almost like you've got to think of it like, from a vowel point of view, like a vocalese yeah. thing. And then to that, the tune of the bagpipe sits on top of the drone. So I think of that as my consonants. Right. The g, m, t, l. Uh-huh. So it goes on top of that vowel that I've already got. My sort of priority is my drone, mm-hmm. constantly supported, constantly on a flow of support yeah. and, and air, and which the consonants dance, I suppose, on top of. I know you said, okay, you think of it as being in it. I think, I think we, we're talking about the same thing. I agree. Yeah. What, I, what I don't want to hear is someone chewing the stuff like that. Exactly. I need, it needs to be, I, I need a crispness. Right. Constantly on this track, this flow, this drone. And I, which reminds me of one other thing that I wanted to say about that. I don't know what you think about this, but I'm a believer in when I have to go up to things, I want it all joined up. And when I have interval leaps, I want the consonant on the lower note. I mean, sometimes if the word determines it, and there's time, then you can do it not, you don't have to do that. Right. And then, you know, when you're singing like, there's a life for a man like me, of course, you've had time a bit before it, then you don't need to do it. Right. But, but, but that final phrase, there's a life, that, you've got to sing through that L into the note and then beyond it. I absolutely agree. I, would, I, I, wouldn't play, that... I don't think you should place it. There's a, there's a life. I agree with that. I think the vowel, in that sense, should go straight into the consonant. I think sometimes you need to play with where the, whether the consonant needs to come on the next pitch or on the pitch that it was, especially if you're going from a lower note to a really high leap. On a, yeah. Then I would definitely put it on the lower note so that you can really spring up on the vowel. But if you're in a place like there's a... You could either do there's a life and keep it on the bottom or there's a life and almost anticipate the next note. Yes, I it's think a choice. it's a choice, though I, I want my drone to be a continuous one. So I don't mind what your choice you really take. As long as it just flows, mm-hmm. I want every single word, every single consonant in a seamless flow. Exactly, and that's exactly what I want. I want them all to be on the exact same support. Yeah. I want all of the consonants to be in, what I like to say, in the line with the vowels, as opposed to an Italian or a French dropping on top of the line, if that makes sense to you. I want, in German and English, I really want the consonants to be dug into those vowels and as important as the vowels. Yes, yeah. Because I think the languages need that. Yes. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. <laughs> We're here doing some modern opera here in Dresden mm-hmm. in German, which was ri- originally written in English, but... We're doing exactly. it in German, and there are plenty of big leaps in that. Yes. And, of course, that's difficult to manage when you're, when you're leaping ninths and major sevenths or whatever, up and down. Exactly. And you're trying to keep the, some sort of continuity of line. That's very difficult. But in, in art song, particularly this English art song we're talking about, yeah. then I think uh, there's nothing scary that should get in the way of your line. One of the other things we were talking about was 
about the breathing in general, and you had a very specific idea. The majority of people I hear singing, that uh, students in particularly, but even people in the profession, mm -hmm. don't prepare early enough. And when I mean prepare early enough, their brain isn't engaged early enough. Right. It's, it's a, often it's a thing of split seconds, uh, tenths of hundredths of seconds, yeah. that you just need the thought earlier. And I have this little thing of think, breathe and sing. Mm -hmm. Not breathe, think and sing. Right. which I hear a lot as well. Yeah. So it's very important that the thought of what you're going to do happens before you actually take the breath. Because then the breath, the breath is part of the song already. As soon as you've, as soon as you've taken that first breath before the give, of give to me the life in that song, for example. Right. That, you've started. Yeah. So you've got to get that right. The thought, that's where it starts. And that preparedness is so important. Because also the other thing I want to say about that is I want the vowel on the beat. Exactly. I don't want the g on the beat. You're late. I always hear that. And, and particularly if you're going to do these songs on anything on a stage, if you sing the constant, if you think you're on time because you're singing the constant on the beat, you're late. Yeah. And the pianist will try, will adjust, and therefore will slow the whole, the whole thing down eventually. Yeah. And that happens actually when you're singing with orchestra as well. Yeah. That the orchestra listen to you doing that, and you, all of you start ending up behind the stick, yeah. behind the beat. Well, and as a pianist, I have to say, if I've set that up very well, or if I've set up yeah. the lead in very well, I expect you to breathe with me, and I start breathing where I want you to breathe. Yeah. If you haven't breathed, as I like to say, if you didn't breathe before then, I'm automatically going to have to delay the downbeat of the whole piece. Yes. And this happens throughout the song, but it's most marked, I think, at the very beginning of a piece. Yeah. Think, breathe, sing. It's a great mantra to live by. A pianist learns to think everything through before they ever strike a tone, because we can't change the sound of the note after we hit it. But a singer isn't actually forced to think in advance often enough, because they can change the sound during its duration. So what Simon is saying here is, prepare yourself before you ever breathe, not just before you sing. It's a logical progression. In conversation, you think of what to say, and then your body automatically takes in enough air to say it, and then you start talking. But in singing, usually we hear, oh, it's time to sing, and then we breathe without thinking. And how often have we seen someone breathe like that, and they suddenly have lost their place? Partly, that's because they're just singing like an automaton, and partly it's because they've never really thought through the text to understand why they needed to breathe there in the first place. So every time you stop for a breath, make sure that you're thinking first, and then breathe again. I love Simon's idea of thinking of the vowels as a bagpipe drone, because if you've ever heard a bagpipe, you know that the drone just never stops. <laughs> we say things in different ways, but we both mean the same thing when it comes to consonants. If you keep singing the vowel, and then specifically think about what pitch to put the consonant on, you'll be singing legato. Whether you choose to put a consonant on the previous note or the next note, at least you'll be singing it. And he's completely right. Be careful not to chew the vowels around the consonants. As English speakers, we love our diphthongs, and it can be all too easy to allow the vowel to morph on our way to the consonant, and usually we don't notice it. So, consonants in the line, but crisp, with pure vowels, right up until the consonant is formed. Our text for today is Loveliest of Trees, a poem by A.E. Hausman. Hausman was professor of Latin at Cambridge and a poet, most famous for his cycle of poems, A Shropshire Lad, which he published at his own expense after being turned down by several publishers. A Shropshire Lad became a favorite source of texts for many composers. 
This poem is the second in the cycle, and in its honor, Hausman's grave in Ludlow, Shropshire, is marked by a cherry tree stump. Now, Simon also asked me to make the disclaimer that he's from Northern England, so he might not speak with the perfect Oxford English diction, and he also hasn't studied the phonetic alphabet. But the point of this podcast has always been to hear different opinions from experienced performers in our field. We all come to this from different points of view, singers, coaches, voice teachers, and diction teachers, and each of us has a different way of saying the exact same things, even when we don't realize it. It's just as useful to talk about diction purely from a singer's point of view. There's plenty of time to discuss the phonetics afterward. Loveliest of trees, the cherry now is hung with bloom along the bough, and stands about the woodland ride, wearing white for Eastertide. Now, of my threescore years and ten, twenty will not come again, and take from seventy springs a score it only leaves me fifty more. And since to look at things in bloom, fifty springs are little room. About the woodlands I will go to see the cherry hung with snow. That was Simon Neal reading Loveliest of Trees. I thought in this text we would start with the O's because we do get a lot of O's and as we all know in English, there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to how anything ever gets pronounced. So right from the first word, we have an O that doesn't sound O-ish at all. No, it's not an O, it's an R. Simple. Loveliest of trees. Yeah. I think it's open. I like the word love anyway. I think it's, it should be an open vowel. Exactly. Whatever you want to turn that phonetically. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it mustn't be too O. No, and, no, and the interesting thing to me is that the phonetic symbol is actually... It's what we call the upside down V, but technically it's really a capital A without the bar in the middle of it. So we look at this okay. and we think, oh, it's that drop off, uh, 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 which is what we would say. We would say loveliest, uh. Uh, yeah, loveliest, but, it's too, but you can't sing that. I don't exactly. think so. It has to have a bit more at in it for the, for the, for the sung Exactly, it expression. needs to come fronter. And particularly if you're going to, I don't know, um, this is just a text, but uh, if I think of this, I automatically think of the Butterworth setting. And it has this sort of descending phrase in there. And I think it's very important that the vowel isn't too dark, because I think you, you need to keep the uh, energy in that, uh, through that descending phrase. So if it starts to get too dark too early, then you're going to end up in, your, in the bowels of a covered-y sort of sound. And that, exactly. by the time you get to the cherry now, I think it's, it doesn't work so well. Exactly. Well, and also because of what it means, that loveliest, yeah. if it gets too dark, it actually starts to sound miserable and sad. Yeah, you know, and that phrase is descending, and think, and, but, but at the same time, the emotion is actually ascending, I think. So um, it's very important to keep, keep that going through, as the we spoke about bright. earlier. Yeah, yeah, the energy the bright, the energy bright. bright. And, and when I'm thinking there, the, the, the loveliest, of the, I want a really good eval on the trees. Mm-hmm. And the cherry now, are, and now is again an R for me, not too uh, uh or ow, ow, No, and techn- that would is, it's technically a bright ah, even yeah, if you okay. look it up in the dictionary, that is now. Yeah. Now. And again, the, the American, the English-speaking diphthongs don't get to the, the closed vowels that a German one would get to that now. Yeah. We don't get a closed one. Most of our language is very open, so we would yeah. now, and then we get to a sort of open U sound. And before we leave this first verse, one of my pet peeves is the word O-F. Uh-huh. What's your peeve about that? My peeve about it is foreign singers singing this word like to sing oof. Oof. Because they see an O, and they see an F. But we don't actually read that F as, a, as an F. We read that F as a V sound. Absolutely, of. Of. 
And you hear that that, that vowel, that of, is not an o at all. Yeah, it's like a short o. Loveliest o. V. Yeah. O. V. Yeah. Of. And actually, as I'm saying this, I even notice you say it more o than I do. In British diction, it's a backwards, upside down, dark a, which is what you're saying, and I'm saying uh. Have I done a backward, upside down, funny? You have. Well, thank you. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that to me is the great thing about just the, hearing the English, the British English as opposed to the American English, because it is slightly different. And I think I want a long vowel there as well. I don't want too much v. Loveliest of trees. I mean, I want you put the v and the t almost together, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so that I don't want of trees I want, I want again what i spoke about earlier you've got to sing through the the verta into yeah. the into the of trees yeah it's like stretching chewing gum the next sort of o that we get in the second line we get the the double o in bloom yeah and you know you can enjoy the bloom can you yes enjoy it? i think so okay. it's hung with bloom i mean i think it's ooh yeah I'm not ooh, but not really, not, not a big kissy ooh, but a oom. It's sort of like a hum, but without the M part of it. Oom, bloom, uh, it's up to, I think it's a matter of taste. Yeah, the glottal whether, sound. You mean. Whether you want to do the glottal on the along. Mm-hmm. With bloom along the bow, or bloom along the bow. I think both can work yeah. if you do it with conviction. Right. Yeah. And make a decision, but don't fudge it either way. Exactly. Make a decision, and, and then and if you want to do something with the word along, then take the decision to do a sort of little glottal there. Exactly. But in either case, you notice that you're really singing into the M. And I, that's... Totally, like we spoke earlier. Yeah. I don't, yeah, the M is very... And those sort of consonants in English are very important, that, you, that they become, they're part of the line. Yeah, well, and I think what you were saying about not making a choice, if you don't actually sing the M, you can't make a choice. So if you sing into the M and through the consonant, then you can make the choice as to whether to make the glottal or not. If you don't sing it, then you've already made the choice not to do anything at all. Yeah, which is always a bad choice. Exactly. <laughs> Have courage your convictions, really, in, in that respect. And I think if I was to sing the thing, I might sing it differently every time. I don't think that there isn't necessarily a right or wrong to get exactly. hung up about that. But the important thing is that you have to finish the words. Right. You know, and English is like German in that respect. You've got to finish the word. Yeah. And when I was reading it, I just, I mean, out to you, I made, I just was lazy with my three score years and ten. And I didn't do that. I just put three score years and ten. But you also did, but you did do and take. I did because I realized I'd made the mistake earlier. Ah, interesting. I know. So you like to hear the D at the end of and. I do because actually, you know, it's the same as und in German. Mm-hmm. And when I work on my German text, and I take myself when I'm listening my, to my text back. One of the things that annoys me is I don't always do enough T on my unt, you know. Yeah. It's not clear enough. And unt is a very important word. Yeah. And I guess and is an important word in English. And I think we should treat the two with the same sort of respect. Yeah. Obviously, it's difficult sometimes here. In, we've skipped a couple of lines. But it depends what comes after the D of and. Right. Because if we go to that next line here, and, and stands... And stands in about thir- in the third, in the line, third of the line of the song. Yeah. And stands about the woodland ride. And stands. And stands. But then it's almost like you're not exploding the D. You're sort of saying it, but very softly. Yeah. And stands. And stands. Because and your stands. tongue has to be right in the same position than the same yeah. S. Because look, you've got a D, an S, a T. That's not always easy to say the two together. So I'm more thinking of I'm going from an. Ah, uh, and, and, stands. So, ah, uh, 
And that's mm-hmm. my bagpipe thing of my vowels. So that basically, I'm singing the same vowel exactly twice. So I was singing two R, R two R's there, and I don't want to get uh, an N D S T in the way. Yeah. So they they mustn't spoil my vowel flow. Right. Right. So I'm wanting to say them, but I don't want to go understands. <laughs> and basically lose the entire position. And lose the high, uh, yeah, the whole position of where my voice is. Yeah. And I think that, sorry, I, I may just sort of digress. I want a consistency of sound. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be all over the place. I, so back to my train tracks or my bagpipe drone, I want it to stay there. Yeah. So these little things called consonants are there to upset that. Right. If you're not careful. In whatever language. And I think it's the same whether you're singing German, French, Italian or English. Yeah. But singing on the vowels. And don't let the consonants get in the way. Let them help you. Yeah. But don't let them change your position of where your flow is where your voice is exactly and if you if they they are doing you're doing it wrong that's it so rethink it yeah if i'm singing a song i'll try to just sing it on the vowels yeah and i think it's very good for the brain if you can quickly sing that song any particular song in front of you i just say take away the consonants and just sing me the vowels Mm -hmm. then that's very quick to know well hang how quickly can i do that because if you can't do it very quickly it means that you haven't really thought through what vowels you're going to be singing exactly and i think that's the thing it's it's a matter of being specific. Yeah. Whether, whether or not you choose to sing more of an ah for loveliest or whether you want to sing more of an uh, as long as you've been specific and you're singing a specific vowel, something will come out. And yeah. I think a lot of us are guilty of not actually thinking the vowel. And it's important to say the words, but it's also important then while you're saying the words to be very specific with the vowel on that. Yeah. Now, I think the problem happens is that as a native English speaker, when I see an English song, Maybe I'd, the first thing I think of is not the vowels because I know the word. Right. But when I'm singing in German or French or something like that and I, I'm thinking about that mm-hmm. language, then my first sort of port of call is to think about, okay, the vowel, what I'm going to sing there, and then I work with a coach and we'll talk about that. And, exactly. And, and, but I have to have an idea of how I would sing that if, there was ju- if it was just a vocalese on vowels. Exactly. Then anything I do with all the consonants, particularly, say, in the German has to be within that position. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it works the same with English, and, and just because we speak the language, it's actually better almost to look at it from the standpoint of being a foreign singer. No, no, totally. To really, to really no, I think, yeah, because yeah. you can get in some terrible, as a native speaker, <laughs> you can get in some terrible habits as being... Uh, well, and we're going to find one right now, because oh, we, we uh, just talked about the word bloom before we got yeah, off our, our along topic. the bow. Exactly. But in the last verse... The word that rhymes with bloom in this song is R-O-O-M. And I will tell you right now that anybody from my part of the world calls this a room. But it's not a room. No, it's not. It's a room. It's a room. And it rhymes with bloom. It certainly does. But that's what I mean about being a native speaker. It's we have little things. That's the only part of my dialect that I still keep. But I still will call it a broom. So it's a matter of actually knowing the actual... You know, I, I often think, Ellen, that if America had decided to stay a colony... Yes. It, with this, we wouldn't have this problem. You guys would have actually been speaking the Queen's English and we wouldn't have so much of a problem. We are, we're, apparently we're the ones that are still speaking the Queen's English. Oh, you guys changed. Oh. That's what they're saying. That American English is closer to what English used to be. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so. defeated me on that one. <laughs> Okay, so... So we had room and bloom. Yeah. And we've seen bow, which actually rhymes with now. Yes. And as... Actually, we said this off tape. This is a song where everything rhymes in groups of two, in, in text yes. of two. Yeah. Before we leave the, our O topic, in the last verse we get woodlands. And there we're not, we're not anywhere close to an O. Ooh, or an no, o. it's O. An O. 
Exactly. It's a capital smiley face cookie value. Is it? Oh, cookie. Oh, woodland. Okay, woodland. Yes. So we have all these... But of course, if you take the uh, rest of the word away and you just have the W and the two O's, mm -hmm. then you are in the same place. You're back to woo. Blue and woo but and... Is it, uh, yes, W-O-O -O would be woo, but W-O-O-D, no matter whether there's an ending to it or not, is wood. Wood. As opposed to room. <laughs> as opposed to room, yeah. So we have to keep our double O straight. And it's just, yeah, and of course, it's uh, great English words like... The W-O-U-L-D is exactly the same, so... Exactly. Would, yeah. could, should. Would, could, should, and yeah. And the L is not pronounced in those. It's... Yeah. As we keep saying in the English, it's it's important to, to actually look everything up because there's almost no way of knowing sometimes. There are almost no rules. Yeah. That's the first rule. Yeah. <laughs> when we get a word like three score, which most people nowadays only remember from Gettysburg Address mm -hmm. with the four score... Now are my three score years and ten. With no R at all. No, 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 no. Three score. Three score meaning 60. <laughs> exactly. Just yeah. like four score means 80. Exactly. And the other thing that I loved is that you actually said the T on 70. It's a, yes, it's a very, would you not? It's a very easy thing to be lazy and say 70, 50, 20. But I think in this case, I would say 20 and 70. Oh, no, no, no. It's a definite Definitely in, in uh, English lead, you must say the T-Y, I think. 20. In the 20. When I, and there's another song in this thing, when I was one and 20, mm -hmm. I heard a wise man say, you know. And um, here, 70. It's a strong T. It's really a strong T. Yeah. No, I know in, in, in American English, you might make it more of a duh. Yeah, 70, we do a 70, a little bit. 70, 70, 70 20. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really 20. 20. Yeah. And I need the N as well. 20. 20. And seven T. Yeah. You can almost use that N yeah. to sing on it, actually, a little bit. I'm not going to go, twen, not, not to block, but to sing through it. Twenty will not come yeah. again. Yeah. You know, and, and take from seventy, seventy. Yeah. Uh, da, da. Yeah. Yeah. I'm singing the Butterworth version. You I know. know. You know what I That's mean? That's actually a different version than I'm used to. I'm used to, I think, the Celia Doherty version, if I'm not mistaken. So I have a completely different melody. You have a different melody in your head, but I don't know. I, I like the Butterworth. One other one big difference between British English and American English is the word N-O-T, which is the second line in the second verse of this. Not. We say not. You would say a little more of that not. Not. Yeah. Not. It's not. that back, that dark back upside down A again. Okay. That you say so well. 20 will not come again. Yeah. Same as if I spelt it K-N-O-T, like uh, how fast a ship goes in the sea. How do you yeah. say that? Yeah, not. Not. We say... Okay. <laughs> not. It's definitely not, not. Exactly. It's not, not. Yep. It's not. Yep. Yeah. Not, not. And, you know, like it's in German when we have the nicht that we put at the end in the German a lot of the time, but I think it's very important in the, in the, in the poem here, 20 will not come again. Yeah, that not is actually the most important word in Yeah. There. As a man looking back on his life, and 20 is gone. Yeah. Now, in the very first line, we had the word now. Yeah. But the very end, and again, this goes back to our spelling rules, we have the O-W spelling, but now suddenly we have the O version of it. Snow. An O is a snow. Exactly. I will go to see the cherry hung with snow. Yeah. But I don't want it to be, can I say, that I don't want it to be too affected. Go, not go. Go, it's, it's a bit shorter, mm -hmm. it's more open maybe, yeah. than go and snow. That's a little bit too posh for me. Yeah. About the woodlands I will go. 
to see the cherry hung with snow. And here again in the diction if the, in the dictionaries you'll see the choice of saying what your language is a little more uh at the beginning yeah. go and snow and the other choice would be to say more of a, a closed o oh, which is go and snow. From a vocal point of view, mm-hmm. I I don't like the o sound so much. Okay. I I think it's I think it starts to get a little pre- little bit precious. Okay. And I want I want it to be as close to natural speech as you can have. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know so yeah. But, but you know, if I came from the south of England and uh, had gone to Cambridge or something, then I probably would say so. Exactly. And, or, you know, related to the Queen, Her Majesty, I would be saying so and go <laughs> and snow. But I'm not. Exactly. And before I forget, back with our mm. numbers, they're 50, 70, 20, the whys at the ends of words in this song, phonetically, in lyric diction... It's technically an open I. And I know you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's not the same sort of sound. We don't want to say twin. We don't want to sing 20. We don't want that E to get too closed. No. Even though in casual speech and in the dictionary, you will find it printed that way. Okay. No, we don't want that. 20. Yeah. 20. No, 20. 50. 50 springs. I don't think it needs to be too much. Exactly. It's because it's also it's an unstressed sound, but it's also not as crazy open as a word like is or springs. Yeah. It's not yeah. like saying twenty. It's somewhere just a little between the two, a little closer. No. Than... Yeah, and you'll get accents in England. They'll go twenty. You know, you're taught, and in particular, I say that we talking about my singing teacher earlier from Yorkshire, and you know, if you're saying it from Yorkshire, you're going to go twenty. Will not come again. You know, I'm not having that. Only leaves me 50 more. So it is very neutral in that respect then. Yeah. Then it becomes even the other extreme yeah. of being very neutral. So we want to find something in the middle. Absolutely. I just want to reiterate the phonetic letters for those of us that are trying to make sense out of the phonetic alphabet. As we said in the word loveliest, the O should be transcribed by what looks like an upside-down V, but it's actually a capital A without the crossbar. This is the stressed counterpoint to the American schwa, which is a form of an ah. Every language has a sound that they go back to, what I call their default sound. In English, when we don't know what to say, we say um. But in German, it's more eh. And in French, they would say uh. Usually this default sound is related to the schwa in that language. So listen for that when you talk to people from different countries. The O can also be an ah sound in words like now, bow, and about, as usual with the open U cookie vowel diphthong following it. During the interview, I kept calling this a bright ah, and I want to clarify my position on this vowel. Technically, in lyric diction, we should transcribe this in English as a dark ah. Madeline Marshall, in fact, says that we should never sing a bright ah in English. But honestly, I always want bright vowels, so... Please keep it bright, even if you transcribe it as a dark ah. But, as opposed to what we Americans want to say with not, which for us is just an ah, in British received pronunciation, not has that upside-down dark ah. This is a very standard difference between British received pronunciation and American standard. So if you want to review the words that are affected by this rule, look for the worksheet that Jason Nadecki provided at the blog page. The English O can also turn into a phonetic U, both open and closed. The open capital cookie U is what we get in woodland. And we also find that, as we said, in words like would, could, and should. The closed pure U 
is found in bloom and room, but neither of these sounds are exactly the same as in the European languages. Somehow, we as English speakers don't like to push our lips out in the same way that a continental European does. So bloom and room don't sound exactly the same as suchen or buch, nor does bush sound exactly like bush, because our lips aren't quite as rounded. But the inner vowel is the same, which is why the phonetic letter is the same. In words like go and snow, the way Simon pronounces them, they'd be phoneticized as G schwa open U or S N schwa and open U. This same diphthong in American English tends to have more of an O than a schwa sound to it. Catherine LaBeouf mentions this phenomenon in her book Singing and Communicating in English, saying that since the schwa sound is more difficult to sing, it's better to use a closed O in this diphthong. But remember that our lips don't round the way we would in the German word boot. So if we try to sing that crazy closed O in English, we sound like we're from Minnesota. Try to find a balance. Put a little O in it, but make sure that the lips don't overround so that it doesn't become O. One thing we didn't mention is the issue of the TR combination, as in the word trees. Contrary to popular colloquial speech, this T is not a CH sound as in church, but an actual phonetic T followed by an R. This is true of all words, true, of all words with this combination like true or trill. And the same thing will happen with the cluster DR, which we don't find in this song, but in words like dream or drink will also maintain their own phonetic identity and not turn into dream, which would be written as a D followed by a funky Z with a tail. And that's our show for today. Be sure to tune in next week when Simon discusses Robert Louis Stevenson's text, The Vagabond. In the meantime, to find out more about Simon Neal, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave comments on iTunes and post or tweet about it on Twitter or Facebook so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.